God, your church comes before you today. We are your people. We are those who have put our faith and trust in your son, Jesus. And now we're part, God, of the living church. Not a building, not a a system of authority, not an organisation, but God, your family. People who belong to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And we come today, God, loving God, and we say on this national day of mourning, how much we stand with the rest of Australia in grieving and mourning for those who have suffered so much at the hands of the bushfires. God, we pray for the families of those that have lost loved ones. So many lives were lost, God. We cry out for those grieving and, and in the midst of despair now. Oh, God of all comfort, Would you strengthen them? Would they know your power and presence with them at this time? God, we pray for those who are now today still fighting fires in our state. Lord, we know they must be weary. Strengthen them, God. Give them courage. Help them to keep fighting the fires well. And God, for the many that are out cleaning up and mopping up, we know the danger of falling trees and other dangers that are around, even though the direct fire threat has passed in these areas. Oh God, protect them, strengthen them, give them diligence, we pray. And God, for our nation, as we pause today, as Thousands and thousands meet in Melbourne and in places around this uh, state. Oh God, may our nation cry out to you. Lord, may the hurting, broken people look to you for strength and support. And God, we pray that there may be an opening of hearts and a turning to you at this terrible time. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've demonstrated your love for us in dying on the cross. Thank you, God, that you say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, God, our prayer is that as people come to you, they might come to know you and find true rest. God, thank you. You love us so much so much to send your own son to die for us. God, you love us so much that in the midst of tragedy, you're with us. God, you love us so much that you made us and and you know us and you care about us. You know our name. Oh God, this morning we, your people, worship you. We love you because you first loved us. We lift up our hearts this morning in praise and thanks and wonder at who you are. God, receive our love, our worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
It's wonderful to sing praise to God together, isn't it, like that? Um, I, I don't know if you have noticed, as I certainly have, but it just seems to me that we live in a world where you come first. Uh, you tend to be the central focus of the world. Your, your needs, uh, your desire, your concerns, your children, your welfare. It seems in the world that we have today, if we look around and see the signs that we get, you are the most important person in the world. The media tends to reinforce this, I think. Um, There's a car that's just made for you. You There's a holiday destination just waiting to receive you now. There's uh, entertainment, every kind of entertainment you can think of for your pleasure. There's houses that you can have that will keep you comfortable and in comfort for or every day. Time magazine this week carried a story and it was interesting because it even sort of uh, brought the kind of me being the central focus into the kind of church realm where it said that scientific research has shown that if you attend church regularly, it can add two to three years to your life. Isn't that incredible? And the funny thing is, now some of you are going to be more regular because you know (laughs) about that. Isn't it interesting? Even church attendance, we can look at what benefit it has for us. And I think what, what we can tend to do is drag what the world seems to think, that we are the centre of the universe, that it is all about us, that we can take that into the church and into the, not the building, the church, but into the ecclesia, the called out ones, the people of God. And it can go something like this in our minds that when we gather together, we can tend to look at everything on how it benefits us. We can find ourselves judging and critiquing our time together as God's people on many different factors. I liked the news sheet this week. Uh, I don't like sitting in those seats that go down and up, but I like the ones down the front or vice versa. I liked the music. I didn't like the music. I didn't like the message. I wasn't prayed for this morning. I like the kids' church, but there weren't enough teachers. No one talked to me. I didn't like the way this happened or that happened. And what can subtly happen in even the best churches, even in the hearts of the most committed Christians, is that the focus of the gathered ecclesia, the people of God, can shift from God to us, to ourselves. And when that starts to happen, we start to treat the church, the living church, like a club that exists to meet 
my needs. And when that happens, you know what happens? Two things. Satan is delighted. Because Satan will do everything that he possibly can to stop you from focusing on God as your first ultimate priority in life. He wants to stop you from loving him. He wants to stop you from worshipping him. So when that happens, he delights. How do, I, how do I know this? Well, why don't you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew 4. Matthew 4 and verse 8 to 11. If you come tonight, you'll notice there's a PowerPoint all going at this point and we'll just up will come, Matthew 4. But this morning as I went to save my PowerPoint, I did something completely wrong and it's gone into the big black hole of cyber things and we can't find it. I've got the experts on it, but I'll have to do it all again sometime today. But we're going to be looking up our Bibles this morning and that will be great for us as we do that together. So if you look from Matthew chapter 4 and verses 8 to 11, Jesus in the uh, wilderness says in verse 8, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. See, Here's Satan trying to offer Jesus what is not rightfully his to give. Satan desires what God alone deserves. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Oh, Satan delights when we give anything else the praise and the worship and the love that is due to God alone. He delights in that. And haven't you noticed that yourself, you can be so prone to taking your focus off God as one of his living stones? Uh, because I find that at church, our focus can go on to the leaders, you know, they're, they're the ones we uphold and put on pedestals as though there's nothing wrong with them. They're perfect. You know, we expect incredible things from the leaders and, and we almost transfer some of what should be rightly only for gods into some leaders. Or sometimes we, uh, we, we get our focus off God and we put it on the things like that we need to be a church that's always changing and change becomes our God. Or we put our focus on tradition and if the church looks like this, how we've always been, then we're pleasing God and that becomes the focus. Or it can be on anything, money. It can be on uh, whatever it is, but Satan loves it when the focus goes off God and onto self or onto money or onto leaders or onto anything else. Satan desires what God alone deserves. So the first thing that happens when our focus goes off God as his people is Satan is delighted. The second thing is that happens is that God is disobeyed. Look what it says in Exodus 20 and verses 3 to 4. 
Exodus 20, verses 3 to 4. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. God is jealous. He's just like, uh, you know, a husband would be if their wife started cheating or, uh, on him. Or like a wife would be if a husband started cheating. God wants your worship and he wants it alone. He doesn't want you to worship yourself or anyone else. He desires for you to worship him and he wants it exclusively. Why? Because there is nothing else worth worshipping and loving with all that you have than God. Not even a, a wife or a husband, or children, or family, or a job, or money, or anything. And so God says, I want you to worship me alone. I want your worship. I'm jealous for it. Why would we want to worship this God? The reasons are endless. I mean, this morning we've looked at his incredible uh, creation. And we look at the beauty and the majesty and we just look at his power and his might and his wisdom and his knowledge and we, we look at him, his character. He's true. He's holy. He's right. He's just. He's a God of love. He's demonstrated his love for us in sending his own son. The Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. So not only does God want us uh, not to be worshipping anything else, but we're to love him not just because he commands us to, but because he alone is worthy. He's worthy of our love. This morning, a living church is first priority I want to share with you is that when we realise that the church is not buildings or organisations or whatever it is or anything else you might think it is, that the church is made up of those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the living church, when we figure that out and then we say, well, what are we going to do? What, what would a living church do? The first thing is that a living church love God. The people who love God is what makes up the living church. And this has been shown right through Scripture and right through time. The very first early church in Acts 2. This is what it says in Acts 2.46. We might just turn there as well. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts 2.46. And this is what it says in this picture of the early church. Um, Every day, every day. They continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour 
of all people. I want you to notice here they met formally, every day in the temple courts. They also met informally, in homes as well, like we do in small groups, like you have this week. And, and they met together and they worshipped. They had glad and joyful hearts. They lifted up praise to God together as they met together. You remember that Peter, the one who uh, Jesus said, and Peter, you are my rock, and on this rock I will build your church. And when he says, on your confession of faith in Jesus Christ, I will build my church. In, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises. Declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness. God wants his people, his living stones, his foundation together to be people who praise him, first of all, who worship him, who love him, who have him as the centre of their focus, whether they're gathered together for worship in the temple, in, the, in, in this building, or whether they're living their lives wherever they are during the week. So this fact is not only through the pages of Scripture, but right down through history. People have gathered together and worshipped God and loved him. The big question, though, is how? How, how can we worship God? How can we do this practically and tangibly? And how can we actually go about doing that together? And the answers are there are endless ways because if worshipping God, if loving God is just expressing to him thanks, praise, love, you know, acknowledging who he is, proclaiming who he is, if all that is everything that we're doing is worship, then we can do it in any form that we like. And there are so many ways we can do it. But this morning, why don't we look at how Jesus really clearly put the focus right on the priority of worship for his people. And why don't we turn to Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Now there was a teacher of the law and he came to Jesus and he'd heard people debating and so he noticed that Jesus was giving really good answers and so he asked them this question. He said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Oh, what a good question to ask, isn't it? Because all the scribes and Pharisees would kind of debate over which laws were important and which weren't. And they had you know, laws uh, that were kind of traditions and laws that came from the word of God. And they you know, talked about them, they prioritised them, they argued over them. And so this teacher of the law comes and he, he's expecting a long answer. And yet... Jesus sums it all up simply, just like this. He says to them, the most important one, Jesus answered, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's only one God. And verse 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. I think Jesus just so clearly put the priority for his followers 
right as worshipping him in this verse here. And what's the greatest commandment? What's well, to love God. How are we to do that? <laughs> well, we're to do it in absolute totalness, totalitarian, you know, fully, everything we can. Have you noticed in this verse, if you have it in front of you there, the number of times the word all appears in this verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's every single part of it. With all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love him with everything that you have and everything that you are. It's, it's unreserved. It's complete. It's giving him everything. And I want you to notice how he identifies in this verse for us, I think, three, three ways that we're to love God. He says we're to love him with our minds, with all your mind. I want to think about loving God with all my mind. I think that what he's saying is I want you to live your life aware, attuned, thoughtfully acknowledging my presence, giving attention to me in everything that you do. Have you ever um, sat down and uh, watched telly and then not even realised what you've been watching at all? You know, like you might have been there for like half an hour and haven't realised that the show you watched was finished and you're watching something and you didn't even realise. Or maybe you've driven someplace and you can't even remember how you got there, you know? Sometimes our mind checks out. And there are many people who live their whole life with their mind checking out that there is a God who loves them and who wants their attention. Uh, Living and worshipping God with your mind is intentionally focusing your attention on him and loving him. You know, one of the reasons why we love singing um, all, all kinds of songs, but we sing contemporary songs uh, as well as hymns, but we sing contemporary songs, is that what often happens is if you sing a song 20 times, you start to forget the meaning unless you really work on putting your attention on it. And so when you sing some uh, new song and you don't know what's coming next and you think about the words... You can have great meaning. So the challenge is if you're singing a song that you know very well, even if it's a a brand new one but you've heard it heaps and heaps before, the challenge is to focus your attention on that song and worship God. I think we did that this morning, didn't we? Often as you're singing, instead of just singing the words, you sing the words to God from your very heart. It's like that, whether you're singing a song or whether you're serving someone, you can do that as worship to God by saying, God, I'm going to do my very best in serving here. No one might not know, might know but I'm going to do it as an offering and as a sacrifice to you. I'm going to do it thoughtfully, aware of what I'm thinking, aware of what I'm doing with my mind engaged in my serving. Recognising this is an offering to you. This is my worship to you. God wants us to focus our attention him. And I think this loving him with my mind is more than just uh, focusing our attention, but I think it's loving him rationally, intellectually, 
You know, actually thinking about what we're doing when we're worshipping him. You know, to actually read the Bible and understand his character and grasp, try and grasp, you know, a sense of this God who is just, who is loving, who will judge, but has already done all that is needed for people to respond, to grasp all that. And as we understand that intellectually, to be lost in worship and wonder because our mind is engaged in the character of God. You've been thinking about God. You've been worshipping him with your thoughts. I uh, reckon this is a real challenge for us. I was given, uh, no, I wasn't given, I got one of those iPhone things that you've heard about now. I've probably told people about it a bit too much lately, but I really have found it delightful. One of the things that it does is that you can get your emails anywhere you are. Now, you're probably thinking, why would that be good, Jonathan? <laughs> and it can be uh, a danger. I found myself some, right through this week, you know, when I was thinking, I wonder how many of these Wodonga ministers are responding and what's happening. And I remember it was a very busy day, getting up very early, and I found the first thing I did was turn on my phone to get my messages. Now, when you think about worshipping God with your attention, the first thing I normally do is get up and begin the day uh, you know, ha- having a quiet time. You know, it's often I'll do a jog first uh, and then have a quiet time, but my mind is thinking on God as I'm doing those things. This day, I was getting in, the start of my day, filling my mind with completely different things. And I think living a life that worships him, that loves him with all our heart, is actually being aware of what we're doing. Some of you wake up and watch the telly first thing, or some of you wake up and, you know, uh, it's straight into something else. I think Trying to be aware and focusing our thoughts on God at certain times of the day is so great. So Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first way. And the second way I think we can, that God wants us to worship him is to love him with my heart and soul. See how he says that? Love him with all your heart and with all your soul. And I think this is, really just saying God wants us to genuinely love him, to not just engage with our head and rationally think about who God is, but the thinking and engaging of our mind should respond in feelings and emotions and passion and our heart and enthusiasm. I mean, it it kind of defies belief when you say, I love you, but you, you know, uh, don't look at all like it. You know what I mean? Like when you go, and, and sometimes, got to say, standing up here singing songs, it can look like, I love you, Lord, you know? <laughs> and I think Jesus really wants us to engage our mind and our emotions and our hearts. If we love him, it's okay to express that. Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, you might not be one that loves to raise your hands or loves to clap or jive or jump. No, we're different personalities all the time. It doesn't, you don't have to do it. People can worship without doing anything like that. But we need to engage with our emotion and our heart as well. Oh, uh, uh, people that have so much rationalised God out of the point where they can just come before him bare and say, I love you, God. That is a sad thing. And I think God wants us to love him with our heart and our soul. He wants to love him passionately, to not only give him um, uh, you know, our thoughts and our minds, but to give him our affection, to tell him we love him. 
some people find this very, very hard to say to God, I love you. A lot of the reason is that you were never sort of spoken to like that as a child or you grew up in a home that never said, I love you. And even now, it's very hard for you to say, I love you to anybody. And you know what? This is just going to be one of those really things, hard things that you'll need to learn because uh, God wants us to love him and to worship him. And he wants us to love him with our heart and, and with our, our passion, with, our, with all that we're, we're feeling. So one of the things I think you can just start to do is start off small. Try to find um, just ways of rather than going out and saying, I love you, God, and just, you know, try and just acknowledge things that you can thank God for. And just do that daily. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for this. I praise you, God, for that. I praise you, God, for this. I thank you, God. Oh, God, I, I love you. You know, eventually start to show that. Start to say that. Look, uh, you know, there's a lot of m- men that if you could just learn to love God in that way, it would open up the way you would love your wives and your children as well. It's not, not enough just to say, I was never told I'm loved. So I can't express it from my heart. It's not for us. And as a church, together, gathered people of God, we want to be able to together express love to one another as we express love to God. (coughs) If we can't express genuine worship and love to God, it will be very difficult to express it to one another as well. I think God not only wants us to love him with our mind, not only also with our heart and with our soul, to love him passionately, but also to love him with all of our strength. And this is really the heart of worship. It's okay to say, I love you. It's okay to rationally understand what God has done and be Uh, aware of that and deeply moved. But real worship takes place when we actually put that into action and we do something about it. You know, if someone said, I love you, I, I know you, I love you, but they never took a step of committing to you, you'd eventually walk away from that person, wouldn't you? They said, I love you, I, I promise you, I, I've got all that, but they never committed themselves to responding back. You question that love. And, and when, when we come to God, Jesus says, I want, to, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with your strength. I want you to demonstrate your love for me in the things that you do. I want you to, to show me your love. It's true that actions speak louder than words. And often just the way we serve God and say yes when he asks us to do something. Often when we say no, when we're tempted to do something that we shouldn't, is the key to worship. Because at those times we're saying, I love you more than I love trying to meet this need here. God, I I love you more than that's why I'm serving you here and putting that into action. I'm demonstrating by my behaviours that I love you. Real worship comes with this 
loving God with our mind, with our heart and soul, and with our strength, all that we have. So how together can we do that? If you've known this morning and understood that most of the world says it's all about you living here and everything is for your benefit and everything like that. But now if you've understood, hang on a minute, no, our focus as a church and being part of his family is to be on God, not on us and not on all our own needs, but to look to him and to worship him. And now I understand that not only am I commanded to, but Satan's trying to stop me and that the way I can is by loving him with all my heart, soul, mind and strength then what should I do now? What, what action should I take today? Well, I think this is what leads to a living church. And Paul, in Romans, explained in the first 11 chapters what it was to to know God and to come to him through Jesus Christ, through faith in him. He explained that to the Jewish people, you know, how now Christ has come and it's through faith in him that you can be saved. And if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. He, he talked to them right through Romans that nothing can separate us from God's love through faith in Christ. And then in Romans 12... Why don't we turn to there now? Romans 12. After all this doctrinal and explaining what God had done through sending his son, he begins chapter 12 and he writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. When someone loves someone enough, the ultimate act is to commit themselves to one another in marriage and to say, I love you. The old vow said, I worship you. With my body, I worship you. And for us who have seen what God has done is to respond wholeheartedly to him by surrendering our whole lives to him. And as a church, by continually surrendering our church to him to say, God, we're yours, whatever, we ha- whatever you have. This verse says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We bring our lives and we offer them to God. It's the complete opposite of saying everything in life's about me. No, it's saying everything in life is about you, God. So I give the very life you gave to me back to you and I offer it to you. I leave it to you. I say, Lord, God, I worship you with this. Do whatever you want with my life. And when we do that, it's the heart of worship. To offer yourselves to God, 
Paul wrote in Romans 6.13. And those who have been brought from life to death and offer the parts of your bodies as instruments of righteousness. He calls us to give everything that we have over to him. That worship is just a response to all that he's done for you. That's the heart of worship. To offer yourself right to him in view of God's mercy, in view of God's love. Surrendering everything to him. Jesus was just so clear about this, wasn't he? He said, he, he said to people who wanted to follow him, he said, whoever wants to come after me must die to themselves. You know, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. The only way to really live is to die, to offer your life to God and to say, use it in all that I have. You have sent your son to die on the cross for me. You have given him uh, all the punishment and penalty that I deserve and he has taken it all upon himself and I'm trusting in him. When you do that, real life begins. This morning, church, Every time we gather together, we desire to worship God with our minds, with our heart and soul, and with our strength. We want you to love him from your very depth, with your mind, and put that love into action. And it starts with you surrendering yourself, making a decision to be his and his alone. And it will change every relationship that you have in your life. Let's pray together, shall we? And this morning it might be that there are some people here who have never surrendered their whole life to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe that just in the last few weeks as we've been looking at the church, you've realised that it's through faith in Christ alone and not through your own doing. And it might be just at this moment that you want to say to God right where you are that you're surrendering everything to him as an act of worship because of his love for you. You might just want to say that quietly to him now in these moments. If you surrender your heart to him and ask him to come into your life, he will. And a new life will begin. And for us who have been part of God's living church for many years, why don't we just pause for a moment and give thanks for the time we put our trust and faith in him. Maybe the time when you were baptised and surrendered completely to him um, through that public act. Maybe it was when you became a Christian. Why don't we just, in these moments of quietness, reflect on that time and thank God for what he's done.
And God, now we want to just surrender afresh our lives to you. Every day, we want to surrender our lives afresh and live for you. Lord, take all that we have and all that we are. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as, our, as an act of worship, we're now going to continue to take up our offering. This is just a way of saying thank you to God uh, physically, you know, saying thank you for all you've done. And one of the